It's possible this is the first episode you've ever listened to, or perhaps we've seen you through your first, second or third baby, and now you're back for more. More practical advice, more listener questions, and most importantly, more sleep. I'm Kat Cuby, parenting journalist and pregnant unit, as my partner kindly called me this morning. So I need this episode as much as you do. And this is Sarah Carpenter, paediatric sleep consultant and baby and child expert. I saw you rolling your eyes there. Like, <laughs> what Ollie and call me? Oh, that's uh, you know. Yeah, maybe not the, the best thing to call your pregnant wife, but you know, he's still alive, so you got away with it. Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> Together, we are the Sleep Mums. When I was pregnant with my first baby, six years and many, many sleepless nights ago, I went about the pregnancy like I had most other things in life. I totally geeked out. I read about it all in serious detail. I horrified my husband about the show, possibly because I included jazz hands to go with it. The show! (laughs) I went to classes, bought all the things, the books and magazines told me that I really needed... I exercised my pelvic floor every day. Basically, I was horribly keen. But really, none of those things prepared me for having a baby. So Sarah and I want to rewrite that script. What are the things you really need to prepare for a new baby? And heads up, it's actually way less than you'd think. Okay, Sarah, so before we begin, please tell me you bought something stupid before Harry was born and I'm not alone because... I I can't even tell you the ridiculous things that I collected in those months leading up to Indy's birth. Uh, Yeah, my winning stupid thing when I was pregnant with Harry was going to the White Company. Now, I love the White Company, absolutely love it. Bought the most beautiful White Company blanket for my new baby and, and also a beautiful pair of baby Uggs. The White Company blanket was then forced on Harry, who rejected it, forced on Alfie, who still rejected it. But finally, Emily came along and we now have six of them and she is still addicted to them. So it paid off in the end. That's not that ridiculous. I, I thought the baby Uggs were, I was going to say, because that various like moccasin type things for my baby that is like literally never going to walk in them. And all they do is kick them off. Baby jackets. That like, what is the point in a baby jacket? Did, like, I mean, like a fancy jacket. I mean, I don't you know. know. Remember you, you and Ollie gave Emily. Or did I give you a fancy jacket? <laughs> Actually, but you were super sensible because you bought the slightly bigger size, and then she ended up wearing it until she was two. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> So that was actually a really good gift. <laughs> but okay. The baby Uggs never saw a baby's feet. I'm, but Emily does actually use them for her dolls. So they've been go. they've been used. Well, I'm glad to hear it, and I'm glad to hear I'm not alone. But really, what you've learned through your career, both as a baby expert and as a mama, is that you do not need to buy all the things, whether they are beautiful products from a lovely company, um, or things like wet wipe warmers or uh, any of these sort of random gadget, like uh, the thing that makes that you, it's like a treadmill for your buggy. Oh, the bumpy road. 
yeah. like a um, like a mat <laughs> with the little bumps on it. I yeah. remember turning up to a client's house one night and she had the pram parked on it. And I mean, she was ending herself as I walked in because she was just like, you're going to hate this, aren't you? <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? How much was that? And it was like £600 or something. That's, I was going to say, they're That's so insane. expensive. Yeah. And the buggy was like sitting there bumping away. I was like, get that baby out now. <laughs> I mean, I did bump Indy over the cobbles many, many times. So, you know, there is method in the madness, but still for 600 quid. That's natural and nap time. You're not going to bump it over the cobbles in the middle of the night. And if you are, you need me. (laughs) So what do you actually need apart from you? So honestly, keep it simple. Like you could walk into a shop and you could spend thousands on lots of lovely things, but you can spend thousands on things which yes are practical but actually you don't know if you need them until you need them so it's better when you're pregnant just to buy the essentials and if you're really thinking in essential terms it is literally a pram suitable from birth a car seat which is fitted to your car because now more than ever with the sort of newer cars that are coming out and isofix and things you can get a car seat which doesn't actually fit in your car I remember actually with Harry we changed cars during the pregnancy and the car seat that we had didn't fit in the new car um, because the shape of the seats were more rounded so so it was fine because it had happened during the pregnancy we were able to change it but it is really important now your car dealer or the shop where you're buying the car seat from should be able to fit it somewhere for your baby to sleep and I'm leaving that really open because it really is up to you where they sleep you know again you could buy a Moses basket and next to me a cot don't say it a, <laughs> you can buy so many things but you don't you don't need them so think about your setup in your house in general and um, obviously sheets for the sleeping environment again keep it simple you only need the one one on the bed one for emergencies and one in the wash you can obviously have more to make life easier but you only actually need three um, swaddling blankets, four or five baby grows and vests, nappies, and again, don't overbuy on one size. I cannot tell you how many people I see who have got that like amazing deal on newborn nappies, and they've had a giant baby, and they have hundreds of newborn nappies that never get used. So go easy. You can always nip out and get more wipes. Obviously, you're going to need or cotton wool and water, um, an outdoor pram suit if it's winter a hat and then feeding equipment appropriate to how you are hoping to feed so it's not nearly as much as you imagined and obviously there are going to be other things other things that you see when you're walking around the shop that you just think well actually I don't care if it's gimmicky I want it and that's totally fine but if you're going for the minimum that is all that you need. I really took the whole you need all the muslins in the world thing and I bought so many of them and I actually didn't use that many. It's a bit like the sheets thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, they are handy to have, but I honestly had like loads of them. And I seem to not be it, it, talking about not gimmicky things, but like I still have quite a lot of them. Not all of them because, you know, I, I hadn't kept them. But I just bought a bunch of new Aiden and Annie ones because they're so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself. No, But um. The um, the other thing is, I think, I guess, in terms of baby grows, it's actually better to have a smaller number because, for the same reason as the nappies, because if you have a if you buy lots of newborn clothes and you have a bigger baby, 
then they're not going to fit. But also, I mean, obviously, if you have a smaller baby, they'll grow into them. But my son was was really small when he was born because he was a bit early. And I actually didn't have any early baby stuff because <laughs> I had, hadn't crossed my mind. Um, and so, you, you know, and we're so lucky to live in a world where you can go and get these things, you know, whether you're getting them secondhand or you're buying them new, you can get them fairly easily. And I mean, we were the opposite to you. Um, with Harry that he spent his first night in hospital in a nappy with an Aiden and an A um, muslin wrapped around him because we hadn't expected a 10 pound four baby so we weren't prepared you know we and it would have been so easy just to have had a newborn (laughs) (laughs) a newborn baby grow and a not three baby grow but it just didn't cross my mind to do that so he literally because he was born in the evening he literally spent the first night in a nappy and he was totally fine you know he laughs about it now that he was his head was so big they didn't even have a hat that fitted him so (laughs) um but yeah it just shows like you you can totally over prepare and you don't need to certainly in the UK I was surprised by how much stuff they had to like they had nappies they had um sanitary towels they had cotton wool balls you know for those first couple of nights so like I'd stuff my hospital bag full of these things and actually didn't need them Mm -hmm. yeah definitely I think take you know you want to take enough that if you can't uh, you know if you've run out of the hospital ones and you just need a couple but again as with everything you will have visitors you will have people coming in and out so you can get people to bring stuff as and when you need it how about being prepared in other ways like cleaning and organizing and things like that because I know they call it nesting and yeah of course it can be calming and centering and help get your head and body in the right place to become a parent but uh, you know are there any home tips that you can do yourself this isn't about buying things what what about the things that you can do to prepare at home and clearly that's going to be different for different people yeah I, I mean it's a very personal thing, I think. For a lot of people, they don't want to do anything. They literally, they, they don't want anything set up until they've got the baby home. And I get that. For me, I needed to be a little bit more organised for my personality. I wanted to see that we had what we needed and I wanted it set up ready for when I came home. Um, so I think the things that I would recommend doing if you've got the energy are making sure that your freezer's full of easy food that you can just pull out and warm up because you may not feel like cooking um think about yourself more than the baby as well think about having things like like if you've got a favorite bubble bath or you know if you want some new jammies it's that kind of thing things that are going to make you feel cozy and warm and nice when you get home that's the things to focus on I would say I, th- I suppose they're like you know we all have lists of things we want to do in our homes from the super like basic to the more ridiculous but I suppose if there's things that you can kind of check off that list before baby arrives it's worth doing but also not to stress yourself out about it too much if you don't yeah I mean I've got an endless I've got a constant list on my phone of things I want to do at home but I mean I think put paintings up has been on it for like four years (laughs) yeah there's always gonna be things like that like things that you have literally had on your list for years and years and you suddenly think oh my god I need to do this before the baby, before the baby comes because this is going to be the thing that makes a yeah. good sleeper a good feeder the best baby in the world it's not <laughs> I think there is something in that sort of getting your house in order thing that can be helpful for a lot of people but as you say the, the point at which people do that varies so much and 
and there's there's no right or wrong reason like or way to do it I suppose because some people feel really comfortable doing that very early and other people would rather not okay so you've bought some stuff but not too much you've packed your hospital bag any genius additions for that Sarah um again just think about yourself with the hospital bag think about things that are gonna keep you comfortable so um my one was raspberry licorice oh nice I was I was gonna say something a little bit more intimate that the wipes that you take are not usually for a baby because you tend to use water and cotton wools but having wipes for yourself post-birth or a flannel for you to pee in is definitely worth it because it can be very painful going to the bathroom but uh and on that note then so how else can you prepare for having a baby maybe in terms of like your expectations so the main thing is try and be realistic about your expectations it's literally going to be the biggest adjustment that you go through in your entire life so you know you're going to experience a huge range of emotions horrific hormones um you'll just you'll go from a to z of hormones in the space of five minutes and it doesn't matter how many times people tell you that you can't really prepare yourself for it I remember sitting back I think it was like maybe by week two with Haz and just thinking oh my god like I thought I knew what I was doing but I had no idea how to deal with the hormones and it really did take me by surprise so you know Yes, you're going to see all the stereotypical, beautiful photos of mums who have just had their babies and look perfect. It's not like that for everybody. It's not like that for most people. So, you know, remember that you are more likely to look like you've been dragged through a bush backwards. You're going to have makeup and tears all over your face and your bump isn't going to go away as soon as you've had the baby. But there's there's quite often, even when, I mean, even when there's anguish, there's some in the in in parents' faces, I think post birth, if it's been traumatic or anything like that, there's like there's also a kind of hazy, like softness. I don't know. It's hard to explain because it's not. I, it's hard to explain, and it's so different for everybody. I think that's why you can't really explain it. And it's also different child to child. Like you know, you get some for some people, it's like massively overwhelming love and contentment, and then for other people, it's not such yeah. a wave of love it's yeah it can be fear you know fear of the fact that you've just had a baby and now you have to look look after it and we don't we're not going to really like go into details about how you prepare for the actual birth because that's going to be really different for different people it depends on circumstances depends on baby and you know without it making it about me as I said to Sarah the other day um my baby's currently breach and so I don't know what that what's that's going to mean obviously as I get towards the end of this pregnancy but I've been really focusing on it I've been really it's been making me really anxious I'm very uncomfortable I've been doing all these things trying to get it to move and I just realized the other day that actually maybe what I've learned from parenthood and this is I can say this with a third baby I guess in a way that I couldn't have with a first is that just have to kind of accept what happens and that is perhaps one of the hardest things to like let go a little bit um but to realize that focusing on on hopefully when the baby is here rather than the process to get you there is a positive way that's not to say that I don't believe in 
you know, preparing yourself. I'm quite into hypnobirthing uh, and, and preparing yourself mentally, I guess, which, you know, can mean different things to different people. But at the end of the day, letting go a little bit is actually one of the best things, I think. Mental for me anyway, it's going to be different for different yeah, people. No, I would agree with that. You know, you can totally over plan your birth. And at the end of the day, once the baby's in, it has to come out. So, you know, that's really all that you can focus on. And what happens in between is going to happen. And you and your healthcare practitioners will make the right decisions at the right times. And no one knows what those are going to be. So we're told about the sleepless nights of parenthood. Sleeping less is one thing, but not sleeping at all. I'm not sure there's really any way to prepare for it, apart from making sure you've subscribed to the Sleep Mums, of course. However, when it comes to sleep, whilst you might not need to buy a lot of stuff, you do need to think about some practicalities. Um, We've sort of touched on a few of them, but Sarah, what's the best and safest way to set up for sleep? When baby arrives. So definitely go and look at the Lullaby Trust and their safe sleeping guidelines. We also have quite a lot on our Instagram pages as well about setting up cots and things like that safely. So it's worth checking into things like that. But again, it's thinking about your environment. You could have five different places for the baby to sleep if that's what your house is set up like. So if you don't want to be bringing a Moses basket up and downstairs, you might have something downstairs for it to sleep in and something upstairs so different things so you really have to look at your environment um, and work out what's going to be best a lot of people that I know will have a cot in the bedroom that they use from birth you know they don't bother with anything else they just have the cot and then they'll have um, the bassinet of the pram which they use during the day for naps and early evening sleep so you don't need a lot But when it comes to sleep, you could have a lot if you wanted to. I mean, for some people who are in big, tall townhouses, they will have a different thing to sleep in on each floor. And that is also totally fine. If it's going to make your life easier, then have as many things as you want to make it easier. But you don't have to have them. And if you want baby to go into a cot from birth, that's absolutely fine. There's no rules around it not going into a cot. Obviously, there's no rules. And you, as you say, you know, if you can afford to buy a bunch of different things, then go for it. But really, what you actually need is quite small. Like someone got in touch with us the other day saying that they had a, a one of the bedside crib things and the baby just hated it. And they were wondering whether they should be buying a Moses basket. And obviously, we, we've done the video on making a bed nest and because their feeling was that even the, the bedside crib was too big for their baby. And so doing something like creating a bed nest yourself with a rolled up cellular blanket, popping it under the sheet to make it a slightly more cozy environment for your baby is a much better way of utilizing what you've got rather than feeling you always need to buy something new. Because I think I think that's the thing as well, whether it's cots or or things to do with sleeping, you you have something and you're like, oh, that's not quite working for me and such and such has this one, whether it's a white noise machine or some sort of cuddly toy or any of these things. And then you feel like you also have to get that one and that's why you end up with like a bit of a graveyard of sleep support things. Definitely. It's amazing how quickly you can be sucked into buying the next thing. Just, you know, like you say, if so-and-so has said it was the thing that got their baby sleeping, then you will buy it. But you can keep it really minimal as well. You know, YouTube has white noise on um, that you can just play. Um, 
like you say, doing the nest with the cellular blanket, everything that you can buy a gadget for or buy another thing for, you can also have. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I feel like, oh, oh, that feels like another episode. <laughs> Did you think I was going into labour there? <laughs> I was a wee bit worried. <laughs> I was only half joking at the start talking about my parenting obsession in my first pregnancy. I have the massive bookcase to prove it. But weirdly, in all my reading, I didn't scrub up on a lot of the practical things. So because we like to arm you with properly useful skills here on the Sleep Mums podcast, this next wee bit is your useful skills list and we're going to take you through it. So Sarah, let's have a chat about some of the things that would be quite good to, even if you don't know exactly how to do, to have a bit of kind of understanding of before baby arrives. Yeah, so it's definitely, I mean, this is this would be the time that I would focus on rather than all the other things. You know, I'd be thinking about the practical things that you are going to have to do on a daily basis. So obviously the first one of the very first things you're going to do with your baby is change its nappy. And it's amazing how many people have never changed an nappy before because until you have your own, why would you? You're not really yeah. going to be offering to change your neighbour's first pooey nappies or anything. So <laughs> it can be a first for everyone. Depends what age your neighbour is. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got um, the added um, meconium. <laughs> So, you know, your first nappies, when you're changing the um, meconium nappies, it can be pretty disgusting and people can get a real fright when they see it. So I would do a bit, bit of research into the different um, colours and consistencies of what those first few nappies are like, just so that you... And that continues. Like, we yeah. talk about poo a lot, like, and, oh. you know, with our sleep clubs, we're always getting them to send pictures of the mm-hmm. baby's nappies and the poo, which range, you know, depending on how you're feeding the range of colours of poo for babies is unbelievable, like proper rainbow. And as you say, they start off with a meconium kind of tar-like sticky substance, yes. <laughs> which is, is a wee bit alarming because you, yeah. you don't think of that as being, well, the sort of what you would see. No, no, you definitely don't because you, you sort of have an idea in your head of what you expect poo to look like. So when it comes out and it's like treacle, it's not what you were expecting at all so essentially you can use you know if you've bought your pack of newborn nappies use a couple to practice whether it's on mm-hmm. I don't know roll up a, a towel and and you know it's yeah. not a wiggly baby but you can practice that way just so you know how the, the, the like different tags work to to mm-hmm. stick it on um yeah just around the right way yeah. not upside down things like that so which is really um, easy also- to do as well Oh yeah, totally. And every nappy is slightly different as well. So every brand has different pictures. And, and even like if that, you're using so... re- reusables, you're going to need mm-hmm. to work out that process in exactly the same way. Yeah, definitely. So once you've changed the nappy, the next thing that you're going to do is swaddle your baby. Um, now, obviously, if you're having a hospital birth, the midwives are on hand. They can show you how to do this. But again, it's something that's really well worth practicing during it's pregnancy. It's hard. It is hard. Um, we also do have swaddling videos on both our Instagram pages. Um, but practice, practice, practice. You know, getting a good swaddle only comes with practice. Um, and you can practice on a teddy bear. You can practice on whatever you want. 
it's still not going to be the same as doing it on a regular baby. So, you know, the more practice you can get, the better. Um, and also, if you're practicing, it means that you've thought about the type of swaddling blanket that you want to use. Um, if you've opted for one of the ones where you just place the baby in and zip them up, then you obviously don't need to practice with that as much. But if you've gone for a traditional swaddling blanket, or as much practice as you can get is the way to go. And that goes winding as well, because that's a pretty essential skill. And again, these are things that, like, hopefully the midwives will show you in hospital, but they, you know, it depends how much time they have, it depends how much time you're in hospital. Um, so it's also good to, to kind of have a bit of awareness of these things, I think, beforehand. Yeah, even just having the video, the wind and video to hand, like download yeah. it, save it, so that you can all look back at it when you've got baby in your arms so that you can actually see the different ways to wind because it's not just the standard over your shoulder pat the back. So if you can actually um, be aware of all the different options, but just keep it close so that you can refer back to it. Um, bathing. Yep, bathing a baby, you're all going to do it. It's not really recommended now in the first six weeks. But again, if you can watch a video of it, then at least you're you've sort got of aware. You've got time to prepare for that. Yeah, you've got time to prepare for it. You can um, obviously keep baby clean just by topping and tailing, and they don't actually get dirty anyway. So it's just if you've had a mega poo, that you know, you're more aware of it. Talking about mega poos, changing baby, like not the nappy, like getting them dressed, because I think that's something that can be quite um, a bit of a shock, I guess, for, for parents like, you know, healthcare professionals quite often not they're not that they're kind of rough with with the babies, but they know how to move them around. And I think as a parent, suddenly it becomes terrifying, like trying to put their arms and things because their arms feel so fragile. And yeah. you just say, Oh, and it feels like they might bend the wrong way. I mean, don't get even get me started on trying to cut their fingernails. Honestly, <laughs> the most horrifying parenting experience. Oh, oh totally. Um, the thing with changing them, like changing their clothes, um, there's a few hacks. Obviously, um, the little the vests have envelope sleeves, so little folded over sleeves. I'm showing you, and I'm very aware of the fact that you can't see me. Um, oh, we need but, my baby to do these uh, these videos. Yeah, <laughs> Um, so you can use that to bring the vest down the way rather than going over the head. Um, but also remember, your baby has just been born. Yeah. Like it yeah. has come either out of the birth canal or out of um, your stomach via C-section. Both ways are not going to be gentle. Yeah. So uh, as much as, yes, babies are very fragile, they also aren't as fragile as we think. And we, it can sometimes look like us as baby professionals are being quite rough with them we're not but we just know that they're not as breakable as you think they are when you're a mummy or a daddy there's also like when they're brand new I mean they're, they're probably not going to like sleeves but neither of my kids liked sleeves until they were quite like all through their babyhood mm -hmm. it was like they would just scream through sleeves yeah, they do. I used to sing just leave me alone <laughs> Oh, my kids are going to grow up so messed up, right? Um, what about how to hold a baby? Yeah, another one that, you know, obviously you've got your kind of standard images of how you hold a baby, but actually there's lots yeah. of different ways to hold a baby. And again, the winding video helps with that because you can see the different positions that we yeah. hold them when you're winding them. And for feeding, whether you're breast or bottle yeah. feeding, there's a bunch of different positions, yeah. which I know we've talked through in our feeding 
episodes but th- that's also quite important because I think you do have these really really specific images of how a baby is fed whether you know whether you're using a bottle or or boot. Yep, absolutely and then there's also the like the the newborn bounce that you kind of need to do without trying to knack, knacker your back do you not think that you just actually suddenly realize that you're in pregnancy that you're doing it with the trolley and things like that and so you're a pro yeah. at bouncing by the time you've actually caught the baby it's one of those yeah. things that you suddenly just start doing or if you've got an exercise ball during your pregnancy you've been sitting on that bouncing so actually baby comes out and you're already a bouncer yeah maybe I don't I think I remember like when I had indeed like one of my pals came around and she'd had three kids and she um she just automatically went into the newborn bounce yeah. and and calmed Indy down and I was like what is that I hadn't even I think I was still too frightened yeah, to do, to do any kind of big movements mm-hmm. or anything I feel like we've not done this in necessarily the right order but maybe, maybe we have because now it's on on to making up a cot but as you say we've got videos of that yeah, there's definitely videos of that over on Instagram as well um and the lullaby trust refer back to the lullaby trust for making up a cot too so just keeping it simple and finally it's important to have a bit of a survival guide to get through the first few weeks when baby is here we have dedicated a whole episode on this so it's worth a listen once you have your baby but as you approach your due window because babies have a habit of not coming on your actual due date here are some things to think about to get you through the first few weeks So like physical and mental changes over those first few weeks can be totally overwhelming. That's true if you've just given birth or your partner has, you know, if you are part of a a couple. So pop down your cup of Sarah and talk me through (laughs) some of those changes. So yeah, as we've talked about, you know, the hormonal changes, the emotions that you're going to experience are just horrendous. You're obviously going to be in a bit of pain regardless of how you've given birth um and it's it's just that general sort of the adrenaline and you go from the adrenaline to the exhaustion quite quickly so yeah there's lots of changes to think about but also a lot of things that you can't think about because they're so individual to you so it is just kind of you know it's I suppose the biggest tip would be just to keep talking and you know talk about how you're feeling but talk with as many people as you can as well because often you can feel really isolated and alone when you're going through those emotions and actually just voicing them sometimes and hearing that other people felt like that as well makes a huge difference Um, and talking to each other and acknowledging that yeah you're the one that's had the baby but actually your partner's going through massive changes too you know everybody's lives have changed so it's important to give each other the sort of space to speak I know we've talked about it quite a lot before but it can be quite polarizing for couples because the experience with with birth and with the 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 wee while afterwards is so different depending on whether you're the main caregiver or not you're the person that's given birth or not and that can be a hard thing to navigate and so talking is important but also it's not naturally the thing you want to do like you know, in the nicest possible way, hormones have played a part in me really not liking Ollie very much at times post having the kids. Um, And that's a horrible thing to say. And I'm so glad we've got through it. But it, you know, it was hard at the time. And I didn't really want to talk to him about it because 
of all the things that I was feeling. And that's really complex. And I hope he doesn't mind me sharing that because, you know, we did get through it. And I just, I guess, just want to say that that is totally normal. Just, but if you can try and talk things through with your partner. Yes. And it's hard. Um, And I guess, right, so that kind of comes down to never being worried or ashamed to ask or need help from other people or from your partner. Um, Whatever it may look like on social media, we all need held up in different ways during the first weeks of parenthood. I mean, well, shit, like the first years, (laughs) the entirety of parenthood. (laughs) Um, So Sarah, what are some good things to ask for help with? So the obvious ones, you know, People are always offering help. You don't have to assume that that means that they're offering to help the baby. So if you don't want somebody else to touch your baby or take your baby out, that's okay. But they can still help with things like the, you know, bringing your home cooked meal, doing your washing, um, doing the hoovering, doing a food shop. All these things can be really, really helpful. Making you a cup of tea while you're actually just sitting enjoying your baby. Um, but then it's also okay to ask someone else to hold the baby while you go for a shower and things like that you know for some of us it's totally fine and we're totally comfortable leaving our baby in the Moses basket or the bounce chair or whatever while we shower but actually sometimes you just don't want to leave them alone either so you want somebody else to hold them so it can be anything you know I know we've talked about it before but for me the biggest thing was the day that Janie came around and held Harry in the car and let me hoover and it's (laughs) you know still 10 years on it's ridiculous but it was amazing it is. It's funny. Like, and I do, I, I do think that we need to be careful to not say that things like chores and washing are self care for new parents, <laughs> yeah. but they can be because it, it is about what is individual to you, as you're saying. Yeah. I think trying to take time and not put too much pressure on yourself um, to get used to your new normal. I don't. I don't know if I've told you this story before, but um, after Roar was born, um, I I couldn't go swimming, but I went with. Indy swimming um, and Ollie took her in uh, but I was getting her changed because he had never actually taken her before she had a class and I saw this um, lady in the um, changing room and she asked when she asked when Roar had been born and I said two days ago because it was two days since he had been born which in hindsight is ridiculous that I was going taking the kids to the swimming pool anyway she misunderstood me and said today (laughs) like I just rocked up from the hospital to go swimming um but in hindsight I'm not sure two days or today is any better and I just I look back and I'm like god I wish I'd given myself time to breathe and it's really hard when you have a toddler and you also are feeling like you don't want to let them down if they're used to things but you know it's okay to take your foot off the gas a wee bit totally is like I, with um, you know, I had very different experiences with three of mine. But with Emily, remember, I was in hospital for a week, and at the time, I was thinking, well, for the first sort of twenty four hours, when when we knew it was going to be a longer stay, I was thinking, oh my god, this is horrific. And obviously, I wasn't well, which didn't make things easy. But actually, that week in hospital with Emily. <laughs> was just so nice and so many ways I missed the boys so much they did obviously come and see me I really really missed them but I got such a special time with Emily when I was in that hospital and so you know 
I wouldn't have taken my foot off the gas if I'd been at home. I would have been busting yeah. my gut. I would have had all three of them. I would have been doing stupid things, like having just had a section. I can pretty much guarantee that at some point in that first week, I would have tried to drive because I would have wanted to do things for the other two. So actually being forced to stop. I don't, I'm, I'm, we, we normally take advice from Sarah when it comes to sleep, but let's not take advice from her about <laughs> being a crazy loon that she is. Do not drive after you've had a C-section yeah, no, for the first don't take six weeks. Any post-section advice from me. And some basics that you'll have heard but really do actually help, Sarah. What are those? So, yeah, the filling your freezer with food is absolutely brilliant. There are companies who do that for you. Um, if you're Edinburgh-based, Patty and Jules is totally amazing. Um, but there's places like cook I think is all over the place now um so things like that or you do it yourself um, but I just think that's a really nice baby gift is actually you know if you're struggling if, if you get a gift voucher to fill your freezer it's just as it amazing um accepting as well that you're not going to enjoy it all you know you might not enjoy any of those first few weeks and that's okay it's okay to hate every single second of it um and it's okay to love every single second of it. And it's okay to do something in between. So it's just, it's again, being real, realistic about your expectations. Having a list of people that you know that you can call on, whether that's... I don't know why. I always think of, like, who wants to be a millionaire, which is a little bit old school now. But, like, that you have your you have your people that you would call for different questions and kind of ha- hopefully, you know, that's your village. And it might not be actually calling people on the phone. It might be... Yeah us like you know it might be because that's what we want to be for you guys you know uh, an ear and so many people have said that haven't they that actually like in the middle of the night doing those feeds when they've been on their own listening to us on the podcast has really supported them through it and they haven't felt as lonely so I'm totally rethinking who we are now we are the specialist caller on who wants to be a This is the chapter that wasn't in any of my baby prep books. The realness, the rawness and the not so pretty bits. I personally don't think it makes parenthood any less. In fact, I think it's better because the shitty bits make the beauty so much more worthwhile. We talk a lot about our babies being different and about us as parents being different. And it's so important to remember that you do not need to live your life through another's mother or fatherhood. It's all yours, just like that beautiful baby of yours. And in some ways, that's why no one could ever tell you what it was going to be like, because they're not you and they don't know your baby. But here's what I wish I'd known about having a baby. There will be hard days, harder than you ever imagined, but there will also be miraculous days. There will be no sleep days and nights that sort of last a hundred years. But there is always light in the morning and light at the end of the darkest tunnels of parenthood. You'll make it through because you have to. For them. God, I'm really emotional. <laughs> <laughs> really having a cry. <laughs> and this is what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's not just the pregnancy hormones. You will make it through because you have to. For them. Look after yourselves and sleep soon. <laughs>